You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Yeah. Don't it sound so epic? Horns are screaming, I ain't the one you want to mess with. Use a joke, I ain't the one you want to jest with. The battle's coming, you only got a few seconds to run. Yeah. All right, my name is Matt Minnick, here for Orange and Black Insiders Bengals Chalk Talk. Thank you for joining me once again. We are on to week 17 of the NFL season. Uh, the Bengals in a close one and a very exciting matchup last week with the Miami Dolphins. Uh, coming up short, uh, but walking away knowing that they have the number one overall selection in the upcoming NFL draft, which I think a lot of fans, uh, that is what they were hoping for going into the game was to lock that up. Uh, and, you know, they, they came away with it. Uh, but, you know, the Bengals, after a slow start, they rallied. Uh, they took it to overtime, made it really exciting. And I don't think any of us really considered uh, that a tie did the same thing until it, we got into that situation. We got to the end. It was like, oh, hey, a tie would, uh, you know, everybody wins with that, uh, so to speak. So, um, but, you know, not where it ended up uh, going. Uh, you know, they do lose the game in overtime so slow start uh as i said uh and the bengals gave up two tds on their first two drives uh to the dolphins Uh, and the bengals also went three and out offensively on their two first possessions uh in total they went three and out on five of their seven first half possessions that is a stupid number uh to having that many possessions, uh, you know, lets you know teams are not really uh, holding on to the ball for very long. So uh, slow start, uh, but they didn't go away. You know, there's some flashes of some really smart play calling, uh, you know, in particular the the quick out to, to Ross to set up the field goal before the half. Um, great call, you know, awesome, awesome call, especially going to Ross, who they had been attempting to get the ball too deep. Uh, over and over again. Uh, so, you know, kudos to the coaching staff on that. I thought there were some flashes of some really good things out of this coaching staff uh, from the play calling on the offensive side of the ball. Um, the defense definitely struggled. Uh, they gave up a ton of passing yards. They had a few three and outs themselves. You know, when they could come together, uh, they, you know, they, they were getting it done at times. Uh, but, you know, definitely uh, came up short and, you know, it was a, uh, it was something that that, uh, that hurt this team. Uh, gave up quite a few points. So they fell behind quickly, uh, and they were down uh, 12 to 35, rallied, came back, 23-point uh, deficit, and, you know, they were, they were able to take it into overtime. They scored twice, including two two-point conversions, uh, to tie the game in the last 30 seconds. Uh, so this offense overcame some penalties and sacks, which if you read my work last week, you you know that that was a big problem I had with this offense was they, they couldn't do that. They were uh, frequently failing to do that. Uh, you know, this time around they did it. Uh, so huge to see that. You know, definitely big to see that they are uh, improving in that area, getting better, and moving forward with things. So, you know, big game. Uh, still, they need to learn how to win, and that's a, that's going to be a big piece of it and something that, that we need to see out of them coming forward. Um, and, you know, a, a, a first-round quarterback helps with that, but that's, that's not what it's all about. You know, it's definitely a big piece of it, uh, but they need to, to develop some things outside of that. Uh, and, you know, that, that's something that they, uh, uh, that they need to do. But 
really here in this game, uh, they, they showed some, some great flashes, overcoming some adversity. Uh, they were not good on third downs overall, uh, but they were good on fourth down. You know, they, they, they were three for three on fourth down conversions, and they needed to be. You know, they had some key ones that they had to pick up. Uh, Tyler Boyd, you know, took some criticism for calling out fans uh, for, for rooting for a loss, for rooting for a draft pick rather than uh, for the team to win. And, you know, really this week, and he's he's hurting on that last drive, uh, drags himself upright to to you know make sure that they uh, were able to spike the ball, give them a chance to take it into overtime. Um, so I guess what I'm trying to say is he's backing up his words, you know, and and you want you want these guys to be out there and fight competing, and they're not going to be happy with, uh, with with people that they don't see it that way. Uh, so you know, as far as I'm concerned, the things we're seeing out of him all very positive. Um, and, you know, when this team's better, we'll be here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so, uh, you know, that's a guy fighting and competing. And at least he's not just saying that and then you're not seeing him out there competing. You know, like not, you can see from that play and you can see from, from an excellent performance he had on the, on the day uh, how much he cares, you know, what kind of fight that guy has in him uh, and what it really means to him. So, uh, great performance um, from Boyd. And like I said, just this offense in general, just the way that they were able to overcome and and fight back to get into this thing. Uh, seeing some very positive things, some, some things that, you know, we were really uh, looking for out of this team and that they're going to need moving forward. Uh, because, you know, as I said, it is about – building a culture of winning. It's about learning how to win in key situations, how to keep fighting when you're behind, how to show resiliency. I think our defense has at times showed some resiliency. Uh, I think they, they compete uh, a lot of assignment problems, a lot of alignment problems, uh, a lot, you know, not the right personnel necessarily, uh, but they're competing. You know, that's, that's one good thing you can say about them where I don't think that that's always been true about the offense. Uh, we haven't seen them overcome that adversity and fight back until this game. Uh, I think to be the the ideal uh, ending to it would have been a block at the end, you know, at least getting that tie uh, and, you know, having something to show there. Uh, but now moving forward, they're going to get into Cleveland and this team needs that win. You know, this team needs that win. The first pick is uh, locked up, it's secured. They need that win at home. Uh, something positive for for Andy Dalton. You know, I think we we forget. You know, he was uh, he was never a world beater. He was never you know the the driving force that was making this team competitive. Uh, but there were a lot of good years with him. He's done a lot of good things here, and and he deserves to go out uh, you know on a positive note. So uh, it, you know, it's definitely will be good to see a win this weekend, let Andy go out high, let him go out on top. Uh, let, you know, let, let him have the fans at, uh, you know, these Bengals fans out there cheering for him, not cheering for a Bengals loss, but, but, but cheering for Andy to finish up on top, uh, and for this team to do some positive things. So, uh, you know, in that way, I think, you know, it was the, it was the two bowl last week, even though it was really the Burrow bowl, uh, but, uh, this is the Andy Dalton bowl now, you know, and this is, uh, this is about this team competing, uh, but also trying to kind of leave that thing on a positive note because it likely is his last game as a starter here, uh, unless he ends up coming back in a, in a mentorship, uh, sort of John Kitna-esque kind of role, uh, which seems unlikely, uh, given that the guy wants to play. So, this would be good, you know. Get the get the fan base together. Everybody, everybody hates Cleveland, and uh, you know, knock those guys off. And you know, then then Cleveland is a team that they got the quarterback uh, with the first overall pick. Uh, then they went out and they spent some money, and they they made some trades, and they filled their the roster with names. And guess what? It didn't work. Uh, so now it, it's time for the Bengals to go out and build this thing right, you know, and, and drafting the quarterback 
first, that's going to be a big part of that. Uh, but it's not going to be the whole thing. You know, now this coaching staff really needs to, to show what it's made out of uh, over the offseason. You know, build something, make some key acquisitions, uh, but then really teach this team how to do everything they needed to do and how to win uh, over this offseason. So that's really what, what it's all about. You know, it's about getting everybody on the same page and keep, keep uh, keeping uh, teaching this team, excuse me, uh, how to how to fight, how to win, and how to compete. Uh, it is not going to be easy. Uh, you know, Cleveland's going to – they're going to do some things over the offseason. Uh, they're going to, you know, try and figure out how to compete. They, they've still got a lot of talent. Lamar Jackson is is the real deal. I'm sorry for those of you that didn't think he was going to be, but he is. Uh, and he's going to be the real deal in Baltimore. Uh, and that's going to be a beast. Uh, and Pittsburgh always knows how to compete, even when you think they don't, even when people like me doubt them uh, and tell you they're done. Um, it's, it's a well-run organization, and they always, they always figure out how to compete. So uh, it's going to be tough, and the Bengals are going to have to figure out how to be, you know, how to be even better. How to, how to rise above because the AFC North is coming back uh, as they were a few years ago when the Bengals, Ravens, and Steelers were all you know frequently competing uh, at the top of the AFC standings. Um, it's coming back, and you know the Bengals are going to be here with it or they're not. Uh, so they've got to figure that out. You know to be one of those teams or to be what the Browns were back then. You know, and be the be the joke. So, uh, lots of work to do. Uh, now's you know, with an off season, uh, with that first round pick, with which uh, presumably Burrow coming in, uh, you know, and a guy that won't limit the offense. Seeing the things that they want to build around him and and what they can do, uh, getting Jonah Williams back for next year. That's all going to be huge, and that's going to be what this team's going to be about moving forward. So. Exciting, exciting times uh, in Cincinnati coming forward. Brutal year for uh, for fans. Uh, terrible year for fans. Uh, but now it's time to move on. You know, it, it, it's time to move on. And that can start right now in Week 17 with this Browns matchup, with getting a win, getting something that they can hang their hats on, that they can feel good about, and riding that momentum uh, into the offseason. Because all those things matter, right? You know, people will tell you momentum doesn't exist even in games. Uh, it does, you know, and, and sports psychology is a thing for a reason. And it's a thing with NFL athletes and every professional sport. It's a thing with Olympic athletes. Um, you know, it, it's it's a big thing uh, at every level of competition. And I think it's something that, that, that we overlook. So wins are important, you know. And having that momentum and doing some good things, continuing to hopefully, uh, hopefully build on what the, some of the good things and the comeback that we saw in this game, uh, and keep moving along uh, for this team going forward. You know, building on those things, seeing more positive things, uh, winning in tough situations, game plan. You know, good game plan, making adjustments on the fly, not just at halftime. Uh, winning the third quarter, which has not been something they've been able to do. You know, doing all those things against this Browns team, you know, that's checking the boxes. It's starting to do some things and it's starting to build some confidence and it's rolling and giving you some momentum moving into the next season. Uh, so all things that we definitely want to see. Now, uh, in this game, uh, we saw a, a decent amount of Darius Phillips. Uh, he played quite a bit on uh, special teams, uh, about a third of the snaps on the defensive side of the ball. Now, as we move forward, uh, William Jackson is out for week 17. Uh, so that opens up an opportunity. You know, will we see more of Phillips? Um, you know, definitely hoping to see more of Phillips. Uh, I think we've all been waiting for this for quite some time. Uh, so take a, a look. Uh, at, at some of the key plays. Now, the Bengals, one of the big issues they have, you know, they don't get a lot of turnovers on defense. Um, you know, even when they're playing well on defense, they're not getting turnovers. Uh, this team needs to generate more. Phillips is an exciting player, and he's that kind of guy. He gets turnovers. He makes plays when he gets the hand in his ball, uh, uh, hand 
ball in his hands, excuse me. Uh, you know, that's why he's a, he's a kick returner too. I think watching the NFL 100 all-time show, uh, it was kind of interesting that most of the top diva to backs were also kick returners. Uh, so something, you know, something of note there. Um, you know, so looking at this guy, we want to see him get out there. And he was matched up when he got in there on uh, on Devontae Parker. And we'll see on his interception uh, late in the game, uh, he's the left corner, matched up, pressed on Parker, doesn't use his hands, right? Not a jammer. That's not his game, right? He's more of a smooth mover, right? So he's going to glide step, and then he works towards the sideline, right? Parker takes the outside release on the vertical route, and Phillips cuts down the horizontal space. I think players are always worried about getting beat deep, all right? They're worried about getting beat deep, but getting beat horizontal is bad too, right? So when a player releases outside and vertical, it's not enough to just keep running vertically down the sideline and make sure you stay on top of him. you got to cut down that cushion. And what that does is it makes him take his route even wider, which cuts down the space that the quarterback has to complete the ball. It makes it a real tight window and creates an opportunity for interceptions, which in man coverage, you don't always have an opportunity for interceptions because you're playing, you're not playing the quarterback. You're not looking at the quarterback. Uh, you're just playing through the, through the receiver's hands. Uh, that's why, you know, those guys, you know, real man corners, consistent man corners, they're not always getting a ton of picks because you get more picks in zone. Uh, but he presses that, right, cuts down that gap. And then uh, as Parker turns to look at the ball, he turns as well, plays the ball. He's in position. He earned the right to look for the ball. And that's what you have to do when you're playing man. You can't just, you know, look for the ball whenever you want. You've got to earn the right by being in the in good position, and then you're reading that receiver. His eyes get big. His hands go up. You know that thing's coming, and Phillips takes that ball away. So great job by Phillips. Uh, and something we need to see more of that. We need to see more of him. So hopefully this is an opportunity uh, in this final game with Jackson out, unfortunately, uh, that we could turn it into a positive and see more of Phillips. So Phillips had a couple of pass deflections uh, in overtime as well. And again, playing on the left corner against Devontae Parker, uh, playing loose against Devontae Parker, and Parker's going to run it out. Now, Phillips does a good job where he's patient. You know, Parker's a speedy guy. He's starting to break down that cushion. Phillips isn't freaking out. He doesn't really lose any ground, all right, which as a receiver, you want to make that corner turn and start to head backwards. He doesn't He doesn't really lose any ground here, though, all right? So he cuts basically right with Parker, and that puts him in good position where he can undercut the route, and he's about a step short of being able to pick that thing off, too. That would have been a huge play in overtime, all right? So, uh, excellent route there. I mean, he you know he he mirrors basically the receiver's route. Uh, does a great job there, uh, playing the ball, and really excellent job by Phillips. I mean, this is a guy that we need to see more of. Uh, we need to figure out what he can do and get him out there because uh, he is an excellent athlete uh, and and he is a playmaker. And this team and this defense in particular need playmakers. Uh, we need that guy on the field. Uh, so they got to figure out how to do that. All right. Uh, and then moving along, like you see a little bit more physical out of him uh, as well. So uh, playing the left corner. Uh, and in this case, uh, in this case, he's, he's a little bit looser on things. All right. Uh, as the receiver and it's actually the tight end, uh, Jacecki, uh is split out to the left. All right. As he comes to the inside of the backside of trips, all right, Phillips breaks on it. And this is a this is a bigger guy. This is a tight end. And Phillips breaks on him, uh, really breaking towards the ball, but ends up, you know, going right through the man to get to it. Uh, and it's no catch. You know, Phillips coming through, being physical, uh, and able to make this uh make this not a catch. By playing, uh, playing on through it, all right. You know, showing his strength there. You know, flashing, uh, flexing the guns uh, at the end. Um, 
So this, this is a really good player and guy that's out there competing, and we need to see more of this guy. I mean, plain and simple, we need to see more of this guy. Uh, so that's an exciting thing to look forward to in week 17. All right. So uh, if you are listening uh, to the, the download version of the podcast, uh, we are going to go to my interview with uh, James Rapine, uh, who Bengals fans know real well, right after a quick little break here. All right. Today, my guest is James Rapine from 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. But you all know him much better uh, as the former host of Locked On Bengals. James, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Matt. How are you, man? I am doing great. So James obviously tied in uh, with, uh, with football on both sides of the state. Uh, you know, ma- maintaining uh, uh, you know his his ties to Cincinnati and a long time and adamant uh, John Ross supporter. So uh, <laughs> glad to glad to have you here today uh, to talk about this matchup. So um, first off, uh, you know, Bengals coming off a ridiculous game. Uh, did they even in, in Cleveland? Did they even switch over to that game uh, when they, the they when the Browns and Ravens were done or? They didn't, unfortunately, but the good news is, is I got Sunday ticket, so I, I switched over to that, and, uh, and, and I was able to, to catch it because it was, uh, it was crazy, obviously, and I think it was about as, as perfectly done as could be, right? Give us a scare, look good doing it, show some effort, and lose because we're all thinking about Joe Burrow not beating the Miami Dolphins in Week 16. Yeah, I mean – you want to see the team out there competing, and I think that they they showed some great things. Um, and and my film room to to plug it, uh, my, my film room uh, on Cincy Jungle will will tie into that. Uh, but they really showed some good things, especially on offense, the way they were able to be resilient and fight back, and uh, you know get that game to go into overtime. Uh, did some great things there. So I I think obviously uh, everybody wants the first pick. Just about everybody wants Jim, uh, Joe Burrow. Uh, you know, some some Ohio State holdovers there, and uh, with with Chase Young, but um, definitely looks like it's going to be Burrow. And to me, the big thing about finishing, uh, you know, and and sealing up the first pick in Week 16 is that now uh, Andy Dalton can can come uh, back home, play the Browns for what maybe his last game uh, as a starter and everybody can root for him. Uh, you know, we don't have to worry about the, the embarrassment of, of fans cheering for the Browns because they want a draft pick. Uh, so hopefully, you know, a good way to, to send Andy out, uh, you know, on top and, and give him the respect he deserves for, you know, for, for the years he has, uh, you know, he's, he's taking this team to the playoffs. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and, and here's what I'll say, because I've been very critical of Andy Dalton um, during his time, especially over the past couple of years as I've uh, kind of grown in the media industry especially. People haven't heard me say positive things about Andy, but back in what when you go way back in the way back machine in 2011 when Carson Palmer was retired briefly and uh, Cam Newton was going first overall, Andy Dalton was very very attractive, right? We watched him beat up on, on Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl and lead TCU to, to heights that we hadn't seen. And then he came in and from the jump, I think, outperformed and, and showed people um, the type of quarterback he could be. Um, so, yeah, I want him to go out the right way. I think people, well, when they read his comments about, uh, you know, true fans and stuff like that, uh, you know, on Sunday, it, it's really – Players should feel that way. Like that's it's not a, it's not a comfortable thing. Like Andy knows he's probably not going to be in Cincinnati next year, and, and that's his home, and it's been his home since 2011. And so that's breakups are painful. And so I think uh, I think hopefully, at least for his sake, that he has a, a good showing Sunday, and that the fans show him some love because he he deserves it, and he really helped steady the waters in what could have been uh, a heck of a an awful 2011 and really awful first part of the decade for the Bengals, and it wasn't. It, it was enjoyable. And even though they underachieved in the playoffs, 
I think fans looking back on that, especially over the past couple of years, how they've gone, uh, look back on that first half of the decade as, uh, as a success and as fun uh, and a lot of fun to watch as they went to the playoffs for five straight years. Yeah, and it, and it's great. I mean, you use a, a perfect metaphor there. Uh, you know, breakups are hard, and uh, I, I think there are two schools of people uh, in the in the fan base when it comes to Andy Dalton, um, and 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 it relates to breakups. You know, I think there's you're you're in a relationship for a long time. Uh, there's the people that will uh, you know believe in it continue to believe in it even though it's wrong and, and kind of blindly look past all the flaws in the other person. Uh, and then there's the people who things have gotten so bad that they'll forget about all the good times and they'll just act like they're a horrible person, you know, <laughs> despite the good times. And we've definitely, uh, we've definitely got that with, with all the fan base. And, and yeah, so it would be, would be good to uh, send them out on a positive and, and, you know, try and celebrate and remember all the good times. Uh, I mean, because after all, you, you mentioned Cam Newton. Cam Newton went first in that draft, and the other first-round uh, quarterbacks in that draft were, were Jake Locker, uh, Christian Ponder, Blaine Gabbert. Uh, so obviously Dalton's uh, career has, has well exceeded those guys. Uh, so, I mean, all, all out, you know, getting A.J. Green and then, and then uh, swinging it with Dalton, uh, that was a pretty, that's a pretty good draft for the Bengals. No doubt. It worked. You know, and then, the, and heck, they got bowling later in that draft. But that, that draft worked, and it, it really helps stabilize an organization that is, is trying to find itself again. I, I mean, this draft honestly reminds me a lot of that one where you're drafting top five and obviously first overall, and you have to figure out what you're going to do because for the first time since then, you have uncertainty at quarterback because it's been Andy. Whether you like it or not, it's been Andy. They didn't seriously consider a quarterback in 17, even though everyone brings up Mahomes and, and Watson. They weren't even looking there. Uh, 18, they looked at Lamar, but Mason Rudolph was higher on their board, so they weren't serious about Lamar. Um, whether we like it or not, and it's painful to even say because they should have had Lamar higher, you know, and they should have considered it in 17. But now is their chance, and so with this transition, you can kind of – it's almost saying bye to an era, right? Because who knows what happens with A.G. Green. Um, you're almost seeing the old guard kind of go. Um, and as sad as it is, it can also be exciting. And I think that the 2011 team is a good example uh, for Bengals fans that are cringing right now that they only have one win. Things can change in a hurry. And if Zach Taylor's worth his salt, and I don't think we know one way or the other yet, uh, if they do a couple things on the line, the offensive line and plug linebacker, do a couple things here, uh, I think they could be much, much better next year and be exciting to watch for sure. But they got to get that quarterback first overall, no doubt about it. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And, uh, you know, looking at that and, and kind of looking at uh, what we have in front of us now, so the Bengals are, are done for the year. Their draft is already determined. Uh, the Browns uh, are, are done. Uh, you know, they're they're out of the playoff picture. So, Really, both of these teams coming in with nothing to lose, um, mm-hmm. but I mean, you know, it seems like the attitude, uh, despite a lot more wins and despite all the positives at the beginning of the season, is quite a bit different in Cleveland uh, from within that organization than you know the the whispers we're getting uh, in Cincinnati that you know people uh, do seem to be behind uh, and believing in in Zach Taylor, so. What is going on with Freddie Kitchens up there? Yeah, I mean, it's been, well, Freddie Freddy, uh, Krueger, right? Nightmares, you know? I mean, it's been a nightmare for, <laughs> for Freddie Kitchens. And I, I know that's corny, but it's true. I mean, I, I can't believe that, like, going into this this year, I thought, in, and obviously I moved to Cleveland last December, and I got 05 Bengals vibes. Like, you had Odell, you had Jarvis, you had the first overall pick, uh, you had the coach, and it seemed like he was trying to build the culture. And, uh, and obviously the GM and John Dorsey really, uh, more so, um, which is what Marvin did in 03 uh, on. In, in 05, that Bengals team was so much fun. And I thought that this Browns team had that potential. And it's been the opposite. It has been uh, a struggle. It's been, even when they win, it feels like a loss. It feels like it's pulling teeth. They're so talented, but it's just not blending. Like it, it almost feels like the 2010 Bengals with T.O. and Chad, where you expected so much, 
and nothing happened, <laughs> you know, except these guys are in their prime and it should be happening. So I put a lot of it on Freddie Kitchens. There's, um, there's certainly some roster flaws. Uh, offensive line for the Browns isn't great, but most offensive lines in the league uh, aren't great. You know, that's a league-wide problem. You have to uh, scheme around that. And I think good offensive minds, good head coaches that are like Freddie Kitchens calling the plays as well, they find a way to, to scheme around that, and he hasn't. And, and his clock management's been awful. I mean, the, uh, on Sunday against the Ravens, he had the ball first and 10. I, I was like at the 20 or 25. First and 10 with under, a, I think it was 120. It was under two minutes. And the Ravens had just scored to take a 7-6 to six lead. And Freddie Kitchens threw three, three straight times, even though the Ravens didn't have any timeouts. And so the Ravens got the ball back, and Lamar Jackson went and scored because he's a beast. And so it, it, they, they gave all the momentum away when they could have uh, ran the ball on first down and tried to get a drive started that way. And if it didn't work, then you run the clock out and you don't give the ball back to Lamar. So there's, just, there's so many of those things that, that he's had. Uh, the offense has is, is underachieved dr- dramatically. Baker Mayfield's taken multiple steps back. I mean, he's only got one more touchdown than uh, an interception this year, and I, he's extremely talented. And, and I know he's, uh, he knows he's underachieved this year, and I, I, just, I think it proves Freddie's not the guy. They need an experienced head coach. And Heck, I said it last year. I, I was still new here in Cleveland, so that maybe not many people listened. But I don't know why you would go – hire Freddie Kitchens when no one else was even considering him for a head coaching job. How about you go get an, an experienced coach? And that's what I think they'll do this off season. But uh, it, it'll be interesting to see this Sunday how the players respond because they have nothing to play for. And, and, and that is, it's going to be tough and, and really interesting to see how they, if they bring it uh, against the Bengals, uh, because if not, I think the Bengals are going to bring it. Tyler Boyd's going to bring it. Andy Dalton's going to bring it. Joe Mixon, he brings it. John Ross, I think he's going to bring it. So it'll be interesting to see for sure. Yeah, and, uh, you know, when you, when you talk about uh, Kitchens, you know, he's coming in and, and he had even limited play-calling experience. Uh, Zach Taylor for the Bengals comes in with no play-calling. Well, also limited. He, he, had, he had an interim role in his time at, at the University of Cincinnati. Uh, but for both of those guys, it's like you're learning two jobs on the fly uh, by being a head coach and being really a first-time, full-time uh, play caller from the beginning of the year. Um, but it, it, it's interesting about Kitchens because it seemed like his, uh, you know, his biggest supporter was really Baker, uh, and and mm-hmm. you know coming in the, the the Baker was behind him, and they they kind of they hired the head coach that the quarterback wanted. And, you know, we saw that happened uh, once before uh, on an Odell team, uh, <laughs> and that didn't pan out so well. Uh, you know, once again, uh, you know, it's, it, it's interesting that, it's, you know, the, the, the players having too much control, uh, even those big-name guys, uh, definitely doesn't seem to be a, a sound way of running your organization. Yeah, it's – I, and I don't want to put the, the blame squarely on, you know, Baker for wanting him. Of course he wanted him because he had success with him last year. And, and he was riding high and he, he set the rookie t- uh, pass touchdown record and for touchdown passes, and he was playing well. And, of course, it's working with Freddie. Why not keep him? But, but the, it's up to the organization, to your greater point. It's up to the organization to say, all right, this is a 23-year-old kid, and that's what he was at the time. Uh, we're not going to listen to the 23-year-old kid. We're not going to give him the keys to the Maserati, and that's what we plan on being over the next decade. We're going to uh, interview and do a complete comprehensive search. And they didn't do that, and it bothered me. I, I think the, the rapport with Baker was a positive, but it's not like Zach Taylor was going to bring in Freddie Kitchens to be his offensive coordinator. There wasn't a market for him to be the offensive coordinator. They could have brought in a Bruce Arians, who I openly campaigned for for both jobs. I, I thought experience is the way to go. He wants to help try to bring him in for Bengals and Browns because, I, I, again, I believe in experience. I think it matters. Uh, so I thought that – and he was openly campaigning for the Browns job and used to work in Cleveland. So it made a lot of sense. So I would have hired Bruce Arians, and if Freddie wanted to stay as the offensive coordinator, then he could have. And if not, then that's fine too. Instead now they're stuck kind of doing what they should have done last year, this year, 
and, and it means now Baker Mayfield is going to have his fourth head coach. It means he's going to have to learn a new playbook. It means there's going to be more turnover and more dysfunction and, and just uh, it, it, the, the pattern continues. And at some point you have to get out of that pattern. And the opportunity was last year, and they missed it. And everyone now is like, oh, well, they should have went with a veteran head coach. Well, duh, they should have went with a veteran head coach. That's what you should have mm-hmm. done. Like, for the first time, the Browns' job was actually attractive, <laughs> you know, and, and I think it'll yeah. be attractive this offseason. But, it, uh, I, yeah, hiring him was a, a mistake. I don't think anyone thought it would be as bad as this. I mean, even if he was competent, just, just an average NFL head coach, I think they'd have eight or nine wins right now. And instead, it's, um, it's been a struggle for sure. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and I'm with you on that. That I, I don't blame Baker for it, but they, you know, they can they can listen to him, but but they gotta they gotta really put the thought on it and and do what's good for him more than what he wants. And uh, you know, they, I mean, he's got enough on him. I, I I see him on TV, and you know, he's already walking around the stadium checking smoke detectors and calling plumbers and stuff like that. So. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, <laughs> it, no, I, I will say something about that, actually, because it, perception matters, right? And, and so mm-hmm. um, when, you, when you do all these commercials and you're going to be brash with the media and you're going to um, do everything that you do, well, one, your opponents are going to see that and want to kick your ass. Two, you better deliver. And I think Baker Mayfield this offseason, and I said this on 92 Through the Fan here in Cleveland, I think he read his press clippings. I, thought, I think he started to feel himself a little bit, and especially since the organization was like, oh, yeah, we found our savior. And, and Cleveland finally felt like they were excited that they found the quarterback that was going to bring the, the Browns back to relevance. And I think he started to feel himself a little bit. And so this offseason, I expect – I, and I think he's going to because he has that, and I saw that at Oklahoma, and I, it was a reason I loved him in the draft and think they got it right in the draft. I think he's going to look in the mirror and really grind his ass off and work because this is not, this is not acceptable. And, and I think deep down he knows that in, in a full off season of kind of getting back to, to what got him here and got him the Heisman, got him drafted first overall, I think it would do him a lot of good. Yeah, absolutely. And he, you know, he's a guy who was a transfer in, in in college and had to had to fight his way through a little bit. So, you know, he's shown some of that in the past. Um, and I, I think you bring up an interesting name with Arians because, really, looking back at it, uh, like that's that's the perfect hire. Uh, I I think that uh, the Baker and Odell both need a strong head coach, and uh, my my comp for Baker coming out. Uh, was Roethlisberger because I, I, I think they're both, you know, it, it's a personality thing. You know, they, they play the same way. They play very similarly, uh, it, you know, from a, for a young Roethlisberger that could run around a little bit more. Um, but they, they, you know, they both have an attitude too. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm not a, I'm not a huge Mike Tomlin fan uh, for, for his game management and some of the things he does, but I think Mike Tomlin has done did an incredible job uh, dealing with a lot of difficult personalities uh, in Pittsburgh over the years, uh, and you know Arians is a guy that you know that, that knows about that. You know, it, it, it's uh, been a part of that as well. So, um, I think uh, that would have been a very interesting hire because I think Baker really need, needs that head coach that's going to tell him to shut up, that's going to tell him to you know get straight on things, and Odell certainly does. Uh, I mean, Odell. Yeah. Really, the ideal situation for Odell is that he has uh, – <laughs> well, everybody's going to hate me for this, but the ideal situation for Odell is New England because he should be somewhere where if he tries to call out the head coach or the quarterback, everybody's going to be like, bleep you. Those guys are beyond reproach. Uh, <laughs> you know? uh, so sure. you're not exactly going to have that with Baker because he's still young. Uh, so, so, yeah, you really need that, that head coach uh, that, can, that can put both of those guys in their place. Yeah, I, I'm with you, especially on – because I think Odell, he was yelling at Freddie Kitchens on Sunday, so now it's going to look like I'm defending him. But really, he's done what he needed to do this year, and it's been a struggle. And I would have probably lost my mind in like week five, okay, because they don't know how to get him the damn ball. And Odell Beckham Jr. is a lot like Chad Johnson. You know, he's a star. And now in the social media world, he's an even bigger star than Chad ever could have imagined. 
because he, you know he's just is he's just that relevant and that um, that in tune with not just uh, a sports star but uh, um, just a, a star athlete outside of football and there aren't many of those and that's what Odell Beckham Jr. is he's a real superstar um, so yeah I, I agree a, a strong-willed head coach would do both some good especially Baker though because I, I think I think the organization made a mistake in kind of uh, pre. I don't want to say pre-crowned him, but like I said, gave him the keys to the Maserati, and he was still, he still had his temps. And while I think he's talented enough to be that guy and not only drive the ship, uh, but get it where it needs to go, get it where they want, want it to go, uh, you need to do that in small steps. You mentioned Ben Roethlisberger. It took plenty of years for him to get the keys like that of the, the Steelers and, and kind of be the, the driving force as to why they're winning. Um, and, and I think they put a lot on Baker this season, both on the field uh, and expectations-wise, and it should have been the other way, where, where they're, they're still catering to him. I think this playbook is completely off for his skill set, you know? So it's, uh, it's been a rough situation, I think. Uh, but as far as coaches go, Mike McCarthy, Ron Rivera, those are two guys I would already be calling because they're available. If I'm John Dorsey, I'm calling them and talking to them this week. And that's why I think the Bengals have a shot. Is this, this Browns team could just be looking to the offseason because they know they're getting a new coach. Yeah, Rivera's a really interesting name. You know, definitely has some success. And, and he's a guy who I think a lot of people get more behind uh, these young coaches thinking they're going to be more flexible and willing to innovate. Uh, but Rivera's a guy who's who's done some of that, you know, you know, despite his experience, which is, sounds like a weird thing to say, but, um, you know, he, he's, he's got all the experience, but, you know, he's been willing to incorporate some different things and, and be a little different and creative in the way he was uh, using uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey, uh, mm-hmm. you know, also his use of analytics, things along those lines. So uh, definitely, you know, he's a, he's an old school guy, but, you know, but he's got the, the flexibility to to adapt. So, um, yeah, I, I I don't want him going to Cleveland. I'll tell you that much as a, as a Bengals fan. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I I just think I think the key here is finding someone who can be stable and, and give you some stability and, and be discipline oriented because they have the talent, right? Like no one wants to deal with Baker from last year and Odell Beckham Jr. In, in full, at full strength and, and doing what we know he's capable of with Landry and Chubb and Hunt if he's back next year. No one wants to deal with that. So they have the talent. Um, it's just about a guy who's going to get the most out of that talent, and that's what they have to find. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, now, I mean, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, quite a bit of talent there is, as well. Uh, you know, they had um, – uh, you know, an impressive defensive backfield, Denzel Ward, uh, you know, a draft pick from a year ago as well. Um, you know, some linebackers stepped up this year, uh, which looked like it could be a hold V in the season, but it seems like they did pretty well there. Uh, and, uh, you know, very very talented defensive line, uh, but obviously now missing a big piece of that with Miles Garrett uh, out for at least the season, uh, but, you know, for the foreseeable future. So uh, what what has that done? Uh, to this defensive unit taking away uh, their their top pass rusher like that. Oh man, it completely changes it. You know, it's it's almost like taking away the you know Baker Mayfield, right? Uh, taking the quarterback away from uh, an elite offense. Obviously, the Browns' offense hasn't been that this year, but yeah, you you take away Miles Garrett and, and then you combine that with Olivier Vernon, uh, which is basically the Robin to his Batman. Uh, dealing with a knee issue himself and missing uh, most of the games. He came back for the second Pittsburgh game, but it has been out for uh, most of the, the second half of the year, and you have no pass rush. You're, re- you're not getting pressure on the quarterback. Uh, you were already weak at linebacker already, relying on a, a mid-round pick and Mac Wilson out of Alabama, a rookie, uh, to, to kind of man things with Joe Schobert. And, and Schobert's good, but he, he's, you know, he's, he's not a – game wrecker. He's no Bobby Wagner. So you're talking about the first two levels of your defense is below average. Um, And that's really what the Browns are right now. They have some decent players in the secondary and Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams, but they're both first and second year players. Um, Demarius Randall at safety has certainly taken a step back at the worst time for him because he's in a contract year. Hasn't been the same guy he was last season. So now suddenly you're looking at this team 
in this defense, and they're vulnerable almost everywhere. Because at best, you have youth on the, the outside. You're, uh, the, the safety spot in, in back, uh, the, the safety spot back is, has been a struggle because Randall's been in and out. And when he's been in, he's been hurting the, the defense more than he's helped it. So I think the Bengals will be able to do a lot against them because Andy's going to be able to, to stay upright and throw it all over. I would take some deep shots with Ross because I, I still don't think necessarily Denzel can uh, – and people are laughing at that. Oh, the John Ross guy. No, I, he ran open plenty yesterday, right? Like he can, he can still run and scoot. So I would take some shots with him. But it all starts with Joe Mixon. I, I don't think that the Browns can stop Joe Mixon. Kenyon Drake ran for four touchdowns on him in Arizona last week. Um, you saw what Mark Ingram did uh, before he got injured yesterday. I mean, he was starting to have a, a good day, and he was well on his way, I think, to a 100-yard day before the, he got injured with a calf strain. So, yeah, I think uh, the, the blueprint would be running the ball a lot with Joe Mixon, taking your shots, and then obviously relying on Tyler Boyd on, in critical situations. Yeah, Bengals dealing with some, some injuries with, uh, with Jackson leaving the game, and, uh, you know, it's going to be uh, – could, could be a lot of scoring. Uh, in, in this one coming yeah, up. but I, It'll be interesting to see, and I didn't mean to cut you off, it'll be interesting to see if Odell Beckham Jr. plays. He, he's like 46 yards, I think, away from 1,000, which naturally as a, a receiver you're, you're wanting to get to sure. that 1,000-yard mark. Um, but he's been dealing with that sports hernia, at least according to all the reports and going through it. And, and for a game now that they're eliminated, does he play this week? He said last week he plans on finishing the season regardless, but uh, that's certainly something to watch. Yes, definitely, uh, and and yeah, we're you know giving you a little bit of an idea of where his mind's at too. Uh, you know, obviously, you know the legitimacy of the injury, but but players have some control over that. And you know, if he is he willing to to put himself out there, or is he gonna, is he going to milk it and, and take an early off season? Um, you know, definitely kind of lets you know what's what's going on with that guy. It gives you at least some sort of indication. But um, yeah, you know, we were saying about Garrett too. I, I think it's interesting because. Because Garrett uh, is is more of an every down player, obviously, than Carl Lawson. But uh, when when Carl Lawson was out for this Bengals defense and, and then coming back, uh, you know, that, the defense took a huge step forward. Um, you know, they got Pratt in there, and Pratt some more experience, which, which certainly helped. But uh, you know, so, sometimes these defensive fronts, uh, it can be one guy, especially one guy that can get after the quarterback. Um, you know, if, if they fall, it can make a huge difference. And, um, and, and conversely, I think you look at uh, you look at San Francisco, um, and I think uh, you know I think you know Bosa is the big difference for that defense this year as well. Uh, that hasn't had that edge rusher in the past. They've had a lot of talented defensive linemen, but not not you know really that true uh, that true guy in the edge. Uh, and you know how much better did that defense get uh, plugging him in there? So. Uh, definitely a huge impact uh, whether or, or not you, you've got that guy uh, rushing the pass around the edge. Yeah, for sure. No doubt about it. I mean, and we know how good Carl Lawson can be when he's at 100% and how he can change the game. And, and Miles Garrett, to all due respect, is just so much better. You know, he's just on a another level. And I, I think, um, especially for a Browns defense that really was, was shallow, past him and Vernon. You know, it's not like they have uh, a Sam Hubbard still, right? It's not like they have a, a Carlos Dunlap that's still uh, rushing the passer and still manning the edge and, and being able to help in, in those areas. They have uh, Sheldon Richardson in the middle, and he's a nice piece. But, man, it's it's tough, and they, we've we've seen that. And that's something defensive line depth will certainly have to, to touch on this offseason. But, um, yeah, it's uh, – it's going to be interesting. I think the Bengals have a shot, though. I really do. I think that this is – if the Browns were still alive, I think they would have come to play because it's playoffs on the line. And had they won either of the last two weeks, by the way, they'd still be alive. You know, if they had beaten mm-hmm. uh, the Cardinals on the road or if they would have won and upset the Ravens, they'd still be alive. Instead, they're not. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what, which team shows up because we've seen them, especially on the road this year, at Arizona, at Denver lay eggs like from the get-go you they were just lifeless no energy and, and they lost both games they got down in, in both games and never could dig out of it uh, and they were certainly more talented at least on paper um and, and i don't really know i probably a little more talented but i don't even think they're that much more talented without garrett and without some of the guys that that might not be playing on sunday 
Sure. I mean, yeah, you take uh, you take Garrett and Odell out of there. Uh, <laughs> that's a yeah. There's some there's some big names to take out the field. So, absolutely. So, all right. Well, it will be a, it'll it'll definitely be interesting to see and you know see where this team's at and um, you know what what the future really of, of both teams are going to be. And it definitely looks like there's going to be a a swing this year in in Ohio sports. Um, not you know not really in full effect. Uh, although the you know the Browns getting people kicked out of games and, and the Bengals, uh, uh, you know, winning one game, that definitely sounds like you flipped the script. Uh, but, uh, uh, but yeah, uh, so appreciate you, uh, joining me today. Uh, so James Raping uh, on 92.3, the fan in Cleveland, uh, anywhere else they can find your work or anything else you'd like to plug. Yeah, just 92.3 The Fan. I do uh, a lot of Indians and Cavs and, and Browns, and I, I still tweet, man. I, I know you see it. I, I still tweet about the Bengals. So once uh, once draft season gets here, we're some, we'll certainly be paying attention to, to who the Bengals can take. Absolutely. All right. Well, I, I, I appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, you know, love love not losing you in the fan base as well. Uh, always, always good Bengals takes good information. Uh, thank you very much. All right. Thanks, man. Appreciate you having me. We'll be here in the offseason as well. I appreciate everybody who uh, who listens, who downloads, uh, watches on YouTube every single week. Uh, it is not a- easy being a Bengals fan, uh, but, hey, there's a lot of us out there. You know, we're, we're still out there, and, uh, you know, we're still going to be there. So bright days moving forward. Hopefully that starts this weekend, you know, continues in the spring. Uh, with that number one pick and beyond uh, in the draft. And, uh, you know, better days uh, better days to come next fall, uh, hopefully looking forward. So go Bengals, and we will see you next week and all offseason. Yeah, we're coming forward with sours. Yeah, we're coming forward with sours. You hear the crowd, we're coming forward with sours.